Christ. I'm a brand new creation. I'm the workmanship of God. Created in Christ Jesus. As he so am I. In this world. I am the light of my world. As the Father sent Jesus. He has sent me. I am the feet of Jesus. I am the presence of Jesus. I'm the tangibility of God. I am the presence of God. I am his presence. I am his presence. I am joined to the Lord. Absolutely one with him. Absolutely one with him. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Hallelujah. 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 I am bought. I belong to another. I'm not of his world. I am from above. I'm from another realm. Another dimension. I am from above. The spirit of glory inhabits me. I am the habitation of the living God. I am the presence of Yahweh Adonai. I am the presence of the living God. I am the tangibility of the living God. Men touch me. They've touched God himself. The tangibility of God is expressed through me. I lay hands on the sick. Sickness dematerializes. I lay hands on diseases. It disappears for the life of God in me. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. I'm a gospel man. A miracle man. A supernatural man. I walk in God. God walks in me. He is my God. I am the Seku of God. Well, you're not Seku, say your own name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ha ha ha. Glory to God. Amen. Have a seat, everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Well, you want to turn your Bible with me very quickly? Huh? Is a I don't know how the meetings happen so quickly. But we'll give him praise. Amen. Okay then. Now, turn with me to Hebrews in chapter 7. So have you at the back of your mind, at some time towards the end of this meeting, we're going to lay hands on people. Right? And we communicate the tangibility of God. The supernatural in manifest demonstration. The miraculous in display. We expect, I expect fully, that there will be things awoken in people. Yeah, supernatural callings or boldness, right? You face life a lot differently because the big God, the mighty one, the greater one is in you. Hallelujah. I expect that something bigger than time, bigger than you or where you came from, right, will be stirred up in you this morning as hands are laid on you. Much more than sickness or disease. A, a side benefit is that disease will go, but that's not why I'm laying hands on you. Amen. That's a side show. Yeah, the real show is that a lion is unleashed in Georgia. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. God is putting his hand on the trigger of the gun. 
and you are the trigger of that barrel of that gun. Hallelujah. There's a gun loaded, unleashed in Georgia, spreading through Armenia, going all the way through Persian continents, right onto the northern parts of China, you know, all the way into New Zealand and Australia, right? The glory of God, like rivulets of life, light, is just flowing like a mighty stream, resistless, unstoppable, is mighty moving force. Hallelujah. From this assembly, in this place, mighty ministries will be awakened. In our purpose and destiny in God will be realized. Now men are going to stand up. You will teach the word more clearly than I do. You will minister the things of the spirit more tangibly. Wisdom will flow from you unhindered. Your eyes will see light and know light. And you'll communicate revelation knowledge with insight. Men will sit under your ministration. And mighty ministries, mighty men, giants will walk the face of this earth again. You know, the outpouring of God's light through you will dominate and overwhelm the darkness in the minds and the hearts of men. And the name of Jesus will be glorified. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Look at Hebrews in chapter <clears throat> Hebrews and chapter 7. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we do lend our spirits to you, the spirit of the living God within us, that out through the vessel of our being, you pour forth your wisdom with mighty clarity. Father, we do thank you for we have wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of that spirit that you've so richly given to us in redemption. Father, we believe and we receive that the burden of ignorance is dematerialized to your glory. Everybody says, Amen. Now look at Hebrews 7 and verse, are you there? Hebrews 7? Get Hebrews 7 and uh, verse 15, 1 5. And it is yet far more evident. For that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Somebody say, Another priest. There ariseth what? Another priest. Okay. Verse 16. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. The NIV says the power of an indestructible life. So the, there is another priest, not a carnal one, not a priest that consists of Eve offering, peace offering, meal offering, bond offering. No, not after that. Another priest. It is evident. Somebody say it's evident to me. So if you read the scriptures from Genesis to Malachi, what should be evident to you? There ariseth another priest. That, that, that is the meaning of the narrative. There, so when I'm looking at Aaron, I'm not to see Aaron. I'm to say there ariseth another priest. There ariseth another. The focus of the priesthood in the Bible are not those men that you see, but that they are a testimony that they are ariseth another. Another. You know, we sang a beautiful song just now about the blood, which speaks about priesthood. Right? It says it's evident, far, very evident. What if it's not evident to you? Then you pick up your Bible, you read it one more time. And then what if it's still not clear? You pick your Bible, you read it one more time. Now, you turn, while you're still there, you turn your Bibles to Ephesians and chapter 3. And then you go all the way to verse 4. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 4. What does it say? Whereby, when you read, you may. One more time. Whereby, when you read, you may what? Understand. What will you understand? My knowledge. Notice, you are not called to understand your knowledge. 
you are called to understand the knowledge of the apostles. Paul said, when you read, you may understand my knowledge. So my job as a minister is not to give you my knowledge or my revelation. My, my, so when I'm preaching, I take my revelation, I lay it down. As a student of the apostles, I am meant to understand what? Their revelation. Now, so you are a minister, I'm a minister. We we'll all teach the same thing because neither of us is meant to preach ourselves. Second Corinthians says that. We preach not ourselves, but Christ. The revelation of the apostles. Whereby when you read. You see that word read is an interesting word. In the Greek is the word anaginosko. Ana means repeat. Again. Over again. Ana. Ginosko is perception or knowledge. So anaginosko is a knowledge by repetition. A knowledge again. So whereby when you read will be whereby when you go over the knowledge again and again and again and again, you understand. So the revelation that Paul taught, how do you get it? Anaginosko, by reading again. And again, and again, you never get to a point where you said, I've read that. You read it again, and then again. Ephesians 1 says, don't need to open to it yet. <laughs> it says that he was praying for them in verse 16, 17, and co. That they, he will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation means disclosure, unveiling. So it is there, but it's not obvious. Right? So, he will give you the spirit of wisdom. Right? Well, uh, if you're a student of grammar, <laughs> if you study the Bible, you will have to learn grammar. Right? Spirit of wisdom. That's a, called a genitive of apposition. When the Bible says, for example, uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. What he's talking about is your mind, not the spirit. So, but why is he calling it a spirit? Because it's not physical. You cannot hold the mind of a man. It is intangible. So he's saying, be renewed in the spirit. I mean your mind. Yeah, that's the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That doesn't mean you don't renew the spirit. The spirit of God is not given to you to renew. It's not your product. It is his gift in you. Your mind is yours, however. So your job to renew your mind, his job, he has perfected you by his spirit in you. Okay, in chapter one, he will have told you that you are sealed by that spirit. Right? In chapter 1 and chapter, uh, chapter 4 also. But my point is this. It then says, right, uh, that it will give unto you the spirit of wisdom. The spirit. I refer to wisdom. What is that wisdom? Revelation. That means a disclosure. Where do you get it? In the knowledge of him. Is that not interesting? So when I read the Bible, I am reading the knowledge of him. Which becomes the disclosure of me. So I read him, I see me. I don't read me. I don't study me. I study him. First John 3 says, The world does not know he, us because it does not know him. So a person that's going to know the believer has to study God, the Father, thoroughly in Christ. The study of Christ. Reveals the father and reveals the believer. Right? So marvelous is what has been done. That prayer is needed in order for you to grasp it. 
Yeah. So it says, we give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding. Or the eyes, I mean, your understanding be enlightened. So the eye is your understanding. It's no more light. It is eyes that see. Amen. So you, so if you read that Ephesians 1, 17 and 8, I told you not to look into it, but then of course you are reading it down somewhere. Yeah, it says, he will grant unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. And then, but how do you get understanding? Although we pray about understanding, right? Ephesians 1, how do you get it? 3, 4, whereby when you, when you, so the more you pray about the spirit of wisdom and revelation, what will he push you towards? To go and read. So the prayer for the spirit of wisdom and revelation is received by, pray, by reading. What kind of reading? Anaginosko. That is an over and over cumulative, comprehensive, detailed again and again and again and again. Why? Because your mind is yours. And other people think it's their own too. It's your mind though. But other people think it's their own. And you often give it to them. Moreover, so you're on this earth. Your mind gets information from many sources. So the revelation of Jesus you had yesterday, you have to go over it again today. And then by afternoon, you go over it again. And then by evening, again. That is how understanding comes. Right? So Hebrews... I said that to say this. We're in Hebrews 7, aren't we? She says, it is far evident that there needs to arise, what? Another priest. Hold on. That means when you read Genesis 2, especially when you read Genesis, not Genesis so much, but Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, whatever you are reading about a priest there, you are not reading about the real thing. <laughs> Do you understand? Because the meaning of all those stories is it is far more evident. Right? How did Moses help you see it is far more evident? By showing you what it cannot be. So when you look at Aaron, you say, mm -mm, that's not the one. It cannot be. You don't look at Aaron and say, ah, Aaron is not my lesson. Mm -mm. That's why in Hebrews, the teaching will be about Melchizedek, of whom you don't now have many things to see. <laughs> because only Jesus can show you the Melchizedek priesthood. Amen. Or like Pastor said, Enim. Now, so, so it says here, it is far more evident. Verse 16, look at verse 16. It says in Hebrews 7, who is made, not after the law of a canal, when it says clear command, that means not bring yam, bring goat, bring coconut, bring that. Not after all that. Okay? So when somebody says, I'm bringing this, I'm bringing this, it says, no, it's not after that. Okay? Not after carnal commandment. Carnal means you can touch it, it's palpable. Not after common commandment, but after the what? Power. Of an endless life. Amen. Look at how he said it in verse 17. For he testified. Thou art a priest forever. One more time. Thou art a priest forever. One more time. Thou art a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. Go over to Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Verse 5. So also Christ glorified not himself. You know, we're talking about that the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth. And that glory is in the face of Jesus. And here we see, it says here in Hebrews 5, 5. So, we, so, so also Christ glorified not himself, but to be made, what? 
So we made what? So we made what? So if I read the Bible well, who is the high priest that the Bible talks about? Christ. It is far more evident. Yeah? Far more evident. So it says here in Hebrews 5 and verse 5, it says uh, to be made what? A high priest. Please look at those words again. You see, I tell people, don't read your Bible like you have hot yam in your mouth. Something you're going to spend 80, 90 years with. It is not a sprint. It's a marathon. You die there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You stay there. Read it one more time. Who glorified not himself to what? To be made what? So what is the glory of Jesus? Hey, just read it. Just read it. To be made what? A high priest. Because what the Bible has been talking about is to make it far more evident that a priest is coming. So the glory of Jesus is, is high priesthood. Are you there? Okay, good. So the glory of Jesus is his high priesthood. That is what it is. The glory, it says, it, may, it says, he glorified on himself to be made a high priest. But what, what happened to him? But he that said unto him, thou art my Thou art my what? Today have I begotten. So when you read thou art my son, today have I begotten you. What am I reading about? The glory of Jesus, which is his high priesthood. Now, what is meant by thou art my son? Look at Acts and chapter 13. Acts 13. Thou art my son. Because that statement thou art my son means you are the high priest. Is it not? It is, the, it is making real what is far more evident. Where are you now? Acts what? Acts 13. If you're there, say, oh me. Good. Acts 13. Then go all the way down to verse 30. 30. But God raised him from the dead. What did God do? Verse 31. And he, he was seen many days, where am I, of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem and we are, who are his witnesses unto the people. 32. We declare unto you glad tidings. What is the glad tidings? God raised him from the dead. What do we declare? God raised him from the dead. So we declare unto you glad tidings, right? How that the promise which was made unto the father. What is the promise that was made to the fathers? God will raise him from the dead. What did God do? He raised him from the dead. So their promise was it will happen. The reality is he has raised him. What do we now do? We declare the reality. We say that which was a promise, that which was a hope is done. Amen? Okay, now uh, let's go on. Wait, what was I we in? Huh? Okay, good. So when he's in pity, yeah? So there are two. And we declare unto you glad tidings. Other the promise that God made unto the father. Who are the fathers, please? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abel. No, okay, good. Now look at 33. God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children. How? In that he had raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the second, thou art my, what is the meaning of thou art my son? God will raise up Jesus. So when he says thou art my son, it means you will be the one in which the things of me are seen. Right? Thou art my son. 
Now, if you if you see my son, you expect him to. Well, yeah, the guy is taller than me. <laughs> yeah. Now, I love mathematics. I love I love the beauty and the symmetry of numbers. So it would be a misnomer, an absolute ridiculousness, for my son to be afraid of numbers. Numbers will quake at his presence. Why? The heredity of his papa is in him. You will say that's a son of Seku. That means you see you see the glory of Seku in that guy. Right? Now, so the same way to, for example, you will see the glory of the Queen of England in Prince Charles. Royalty is in him. Because it was, but if they said Seku now is the Prince of England, if you say, ah, okay, now, you, you get the point. <laughs> if the Queen cannot say that, my son. <laughs> right? Because many will be like, this is a parable. Okay? <laughs> so, you get the point anyway. So, Acts 17, verse 33. So, it says, God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he did what? He raised up Jesus, right? As it is written in the, what was written? Thou art my son. This day have I. So, how did God beget Jesus? By resurrection. So, when we say that Jesus is the son of God, we don't mean that God got pregnant. It simply means that God raised him to show his reputation. So, that is the one in whom you see the reputation of God. Thou art my son. So, the statement, thou art my son, is equal to, if you like mathematics, saying that God raised him from the dead, right? So let's go back to Hebrews 5. Hebrews 5. Are you in Hebrews 5? So verse 5, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, thou art my, today have I begotten, what how else can we say thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? God has raised him from the dead. So how was Jesus made the high priest? By the resurrection. So the resurrection of Jesus is the high priesthood of Jesus. What is resurrection? Death has no more power. That's mean of resurrection. That the power of death is broken. Death has no more power. Because the number one thing that affected man was the fear of death. That kept men in bondage in Hebrews 2. But death has no more power. Where is this thing? Gone. Extinguished by the resurrection. It wasn't that Jesus gave the death upper, upper court. There was no need to fight. Just by arising, death is dismantled. Hallelujah. Now, but when he rose, what did he become? I praised. Okay, good. Don't forget that. So when Hebrews 7 that we read said, it is far more evident that there will arise a priest. Who is that priest? Jesus. How will he arise? In the resurrection. What will he be called? High priest. Okay. Now look at Hebrews and chapter 2. No, 3. Let's do 3 instead. Hebrews 3. Are you there? Hebrews 3. So Hebrews 3, I'm going to read verse 5. And Moses, somebody say Moses. Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant. For a what? Testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. So when I'm reading about Moses, what am I reading about? The things that will come after. So the story of Moses is not about Moses. The story of Moses is about what will come after. Yeah? Okay, good. That's the testimony of Moses. So if you are watching Moses, okay, let me have your attention. Hope I'm not going too fast. Okay, so if you are watching Moses, one of the big things that Moses did was that he erected what is called a tabernacle of witness. A tabernacle 
They also call it tabernacle of testimony. Did you see the, the answer is in the, is in the name of what is that tabernacle? A testimony. Testimony of what? Things to come. So, if Moses builds a tabernacle, is it for you to enter or for you to learn? For you to learn. So, it becomes far more evident. Okay? It was a teaching aid that people took too seriously. Called unbelief. That's tradition of men. Tradition of men, now, think about this carefully. Do you know that the holy of holies was not built by angels? It was men. Men in their midst build that holy of holies. Then one day, they stepped out, and the next day, they said, we can't go in again. Uh, you didn't hear me. <laughs> Who said they couldn't enter? Themselves. A place you were just in yesterday, doing no matter, now they cannot enter. Right? In their unbelief. That's unbelief. You, they were there. They knew the person that they, and now they can't enter again. <laughs> that woman laughed. They can't enter again. That, you see, Unbelief, eh, it strips us and makes us look stupid. Unbelief. With reason. Ah, no, no, no. <laughs> Who am I to enter? You are there just yesterday. You are there. <laughs> what did you say? You are there. You constructed it. Wait, what was Moses' testimony? Things to come. What were they focused on? The thing. What was he about? Something else. What did they focus on? The thing. Yet, what was the story? It is far more evident. To whom is it not evident? For the person to whom is a mystery. A believer does not deal in mysteries. A believer deals in understanding. Eyes of understanding and lighting to know. Not mystery. A baby Christian, mysteries, as you grow, it's knowledge. Wisdom and revelation, not in the mystery of him, in the knowledge of him. Knowledge simply says, what used to be hidden has now been unwrapped. Are you following? Okay, so let's go on. Don't stone me. Yeah, I'm warming up. I'm just warming up, by the way. Now, so it says, where are we? Hebrews 3, verse what? Five. Look at verse 6. So in verse 5, who was the subject? Moses. What do we learn about Moses? He's telling us about something else. Look at verse 6. But Christ, as a son, over his own, over his own, Whose house are we? Now stop. When you read Hebrews and chapter 5, what will Christ be called? High priest. If you have a high priest, the high priest must have a house. Who or what is the house of the high priest? You. So where does the high priest minister? In us. Okay. So if the high priest will take blood, where will he take it into? Don't start looking around, though. I'm explaining. I'm looking at you. Don't look anywhere else. If the, okay, you agree that we are his house, and he is a high priest, and as a high priest, he will have sacrifice, his own blood, which he will take into the place. Now, who's, who, what is his house? We. Who built the house? Him. Him built his house. Why? He is a priest. Who will carry his sacrifice into where? Into the tabernacle. Where is the holy of holies? Inside man. 
the holy place is your conscience. It's inside man. The holy place. The holy of holies. You know that song you were singing a while ago, right? Beautiful song. Don't think about, okay, look at, okay, I'm going to be troublesome now. Who entered into the holy place? Jesus or you? It's Jesus now. He entered into you. Yeah? You are the holy place. He entered, he came into you. Jesus won the right to enter into you by sacrifice. I mean, you are such an expensive person. I mean, he took the death and the resurrection of Jesus for him to gain the right to enter into you. So you suppose he's going to protect that territory with everything at his disposal. Yeah. So Hebrews 7 says he's able to save to the uttermost them that come to God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession. Intercession is not prayer. Intercession just simply means that which is in between. Right? Intercede in between. Between one thing and another. So what did Jesus come between? Me and death. So it's between me and death as my separation from death by the indestructible life. By the life of his priesthood. He is my Melchizedek. The prince of righteousness. The king of righteousness. The king of peace. Hallelujah. Jesus is my Salem. My heavenly Jerusalem. I am in Zion. The city of the living God. When it says city of the living God, you are the house of God. The priest entered into you. I mean, you see all it took in. Thousands of years of prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. Moses was trying to teach these people about what God will do inside them. For I will be their God. I will walk in them. I will be in them. They, will, they shall be my people. Hallelujah. So Jesus, the high priest, he entered into his house. That house you are. And he does his ministry by the power of an endless life. So, what is Jesus dealing with inside you? Life. Not sin. The sin he dealt with once. Now it's about how will his life be evident for all? Through you. Amen. How will his life be evident for all through you? Look at Hebrews in chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Okay, now of course you can see I'm dancing around Hebrews now. Yeah? <laughs> Hebrews 9, are you there? Hebrews 9. In fact, look at Hebrews 8. Are you there? Look at verse 4. Or verse 3. Oh my God. I'm trying to avoid verse by verse. Amen? Okay. Look at verse 2. Verse 2, it says, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true, to underline that word true, it changes everything. He is a minister of what? The true tabernacle which the Lord pitched. What tabernacle? The house in Hebrews 3.6. So there is a tabernacle that Moses pitched and there is a true tabernacle that the Lord himself pitched. Hebrews 3. 5 and 6 is been explained again. Whose house or whose tabernacle we are. So what is the true tabernacle? A human being. We call him the man in Christ. Okay? I'm just, I'm just trying to unwrap that little thing called, although it's not little, in Christ Jesus. Everything changes. Now, so it says here in Hebrews 8 and verse uh, 
three for every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifice whereof it is of necessity that this man somebody say this man it's of necessity that this man one more time that will have something whereof to verse 4 if he was on earth he will not be a priest yeah so serving so seeing that there are priests that offer what gifts according to the verse 5 those those priests now in verse 5 who serve unto thee are they the reality or the example who serve unto the example and the shadow shadow means what you don't see a shadow you don't see it now so they are the shadow so when i look at aaron i'm not seeing what i'm supposed to see, I'm supposed to see. yeah so aaron will represent the day of atonement they do an insurance policy every year and then some christian thinks that jesus renews everything every year he doesn't when you look at Aaron and you study him too much, you will not get Jesus. Yeah? Because Aaron was meant to be a shadow. It was the best thing. It was the best syllabus that Moses would come up with. I mean, think about this carefully. I mean, you, you are all of, uh, you're about 20, aren't you? You're more than 20 years old. Good, I know you're more than 20. So, that, I'm just picking on you this morning. <laughs> so, this man is all of more than 20. And then, how did we get him to a point where he's able to listen to me like he's listening this morning? He, we started nursery school. What is nursery school? A for apple, B for cat. <laughs> B is not for cat. You get the point. Yeah, now. But you, nobody tells you to write a thesis, to write a, a extraneous or extensive documentation. They tell you, you see, you say life is, you, you were telling them, who said education is hard? What's education? Play with sand. Then eat, do not after. Then sing, uh, umpty dumpty sat on the wall. I was like, ah, like wow, well, it's cool. I'm enjoying it. And until then, one day they bring you into an histopathology class. <laughs> I'm like, how, who did I, who did I curse? How did this come upon me? Right? So, the nursery school is a shadow. It's a shadow. <laughs> when the real thing, when, when the real thing befalls you, you're like, ah. <laughs> you understand? You get shadow now. So, shadow is, is like this now. Well, if you, if you look, uh, because of the light, you can see my shadow. But my shadow is often bigger, fatter, taller, wider as, uh, than I am, depending on what, is, what physics is doing, light and cold. So you can't tell me by looking at my shadow. The shadow is often so totally different from the reality. Right? Jesus is the reality. Hallelujah. It is yet far more evident. Where do you see the evidence? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. What are you reading? The scriptures. You'll not be reading. You'll not be saying. Somebody will be saying, so, sorry, sir, slow down. Where are you seeing that in that place? Because something is far more evident to you now. now. So Hebrews 8, it says in verse 5, who serve unto the example and the shadow of what? So what Moses was trying to show, was he earthly or heavenly? What did he use to show heavenly things? Earthly things. It's carnal commandments, in other words. Uh, yeah? You get the point? So he's using it. Don't see, when you are thinking about the priesthood, don't think about the earthly things. The earthly things were a shadow. It was the best nursery school kindergarten way of explaining to hard-hearted, unbelieving men. Do you understand? And Moses tried. I see people having a go at Moses. <clears throat> Let us take away the epistles and we tell you to explain redemption to a people that are resisting you. And let's see what you will do. Even with you being a new Christian now, you struggle. The guy tried. 
I try. Well, Moses, you try. <laughs> yeah, verse 5. People usually tell me that Siku, you are against Moses. Okay, at least today I said, bro, Moses, you tried. You tried, you tried, you tried. Now, anyway, so when we read uh, in those things, we are reading about, uh, look at verse 5 again. Who serve unto an example and a shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God. So when Moses was building Tabernacle, God was telling him something. What did God tell him? For, is that for? See. See it, e, that's your God. <clears throat> that you make all things according to the pattern that was shown unto you on the mountain. What was shown? So Moses had a revelation. Did Moses need a tabernacle? No. What should the other children of Israel too have had? Revelation. But they said, Moses, we can't have God talk to us. You go talk to him, then you come back and tell us. So now Moses was given a predicament. A people that God wants to talk to, that don't want to hear him, he now has to find a way to explain heavenly things to them. And so God told him, Moses, this thing you're about to do, see to it that you make it after the heavenly, this heavenly stuff. Yeah? Amen. Okay. So you, you wonder why it was those that had the earthly things that killed Jesus. <laughs> yeah? Because when they saw the heavenly, hope you know when they say heavenly, that he's talking about Jesus. When they saw the heavenly, he came onto his own and deceived him not. In fact, who authorized his death? The people that were the administrators of the earthly. <laughs> they didn't see that all. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, so it says here in, where am I? Verse 5. It says, For see that you make all things according to the pattern that was shown thee on the what? It said, okay, now, look at verse 6. But now, as he done what? Obtained a more excellent ministry. Excellent ministry than what? Than Moses. So Moses is saying something is coming based upon carnal commandments. Jesus, the high priest, where in the true tabernacle, which is a man, right, will now come with the more excellent ministry. So when you read in Hebrews about more, it's often and always describing Jesus. It will be better, greater, more. So it's telling you the reality, the performance, the doing. Okay, now. Where are we again in verse what? Okay, verse 6. It says, uh, 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 okay, by much, uh, by much more also is the mediator of a better covenant. What does better covenant then mean? It means that stuff that God has been trying to show, he will now do it. Better covenant is not God got better. And God will say, ah, let me first try my luck. Let's make an easy one. Then I'm now going to supersede it. Mm. God has only one covenant in the Bible. He showed it to men. Men try to show it to other men. The trouble came in men trying to show it to others. But the men to whom he showed it, they saw it by revelation. Right? And so that covenant is now called better by the fact that it is now done. It's performed. So when he says given a more excellent name, it doesn't mean there was a small name before. And there's not going to say, ah, I've been, I've been, going, I've been drinking protein shake for the last 5,000 years. <laughs> I can now do better. Mm. It means... The more excellent name is the accomplishment of what he said. So when you see more excellent or better, it simply means it is done. It is done. So a better name, a name that did it. A more excellent sacrifice, the sacrifice that performed it. Is that clear? Okay, anyway. Uh, sorry if I'm rushing, but I'm trying to get somewhere else. Now, so it says here, verse 7, for if 
the first covenant had been what? What, what is the first covenant? The making of earthly things, physical things. was was faulty. It was faulty because there's a tendency for you to look at it. And you are taking it hook, line, and sinker when it's pointing to something else. Yeah, that was a fault in it. Now, so uh, look at it again. Ooh, look at verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind. Where is the covenant? In the mind of a man. I'll put my law where? In their mind. What will then happen? And write my laws. Watch you. Who is doing the putting? God. Who is doing the writing? So whose action is the covenant? God. What are you? Where it is written. What are you? Where it is put. What are you? What he built. What are you? Where he entered. What are you? The true tabernacle. Where the promises were fulfilled. That's what you are. You are not the doer. You are the done. <laughs> right? So, uh, you better let Jesus do you. <laughs> he does you well. <laughs> now, so he says, yeah, of course, if you believe, he has done you. Now, so he says in verse, uh, where are we now? Verse 10, good. For this is the covenant of, so he says, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their, I will be to them, eh, and they shall be to me. Eh? Why will they be to him a people? Because he will be to them a God. How will he be to them a God? He will write it in their hearts. That means they will understand it. Yeah? So it says they will know me from the least to the greatest. Now look at Hebrews 9. Hebrews 9. Are you in Hebrews 9? So it says in verse, um, verse 1. Then verily the first covenant. So you know what the first covenant is now. All those earthly things. So there's now outer court. Uh, inner court. There's now holy of holies. And there's this stuff. You bring this one here. Whatever. Yeah. That's the first, that's the first covenant. So the co first covenant is just referring to those teachings that Moses wrote down to try to teach them about stuff. You know, the first session that we had a couple, well, today's Sunday, yeah, so on Friday night, the first session we had, I was talking about the fact that you can read the Bible and you can come away with the traditions of men. So that somebody will say in the Bible, he said we should not eat certain things. Jesus now said, if it comes from to your mouth, there's nothing wrong with it, it cannot do anything to you. It is what comes from the heart into the mouth that defiles. So what I shouldn't eat will be the evil things in the hearts, which is unbelief. So when the Bible is saying, don't eat this, don't eat that, it's simply saying unbelief comes in variety. And it's often tasty. It looks harmless. It seems normal. But you eat it from your heart, it's going to destroy you. That's all he's talking about. It's not that when you see cow, you say, eh? ah, we can't eat cow. Amen. No, normally I tell people, for example, uh, it's not good to eat red meat. So I don't eat red meat. I only eat fried meat. Yeah. So my wife usually fries it. It's brown. Normally brown in color. So I don't, I don't take red meat. Amen. I, I, <laughs> so Hebrews 9. <laughs> then very. <laughs> some of these people are crazy. Well, I don't eat red meat. I eat brown. <laughs> so, but Hebrews 9.1. Uh, then verily, the first covenants had what? Ordinance of divine service and a worldly. Can you see it? It was what? Worldly. What is the easiest way to be worldly and to practice worldliness? To attach importance to the shadow and to be distracted from the reality. Hmm? We cannot enter. We cannot go in. Who even told you to go in? 
Ah, until next year. And then your leg is shaking. Insurance policy. We are going to die. You are expecting somebody who doesn't want you dead to kill you. He says, if you, Lord, were to mark iniquity, who shall stand? My dear friend, so who was Aaron, Aaron trying to appease in the Holy of Holies? A God that is not counting iniquity. Is that not, does religion not make a person stupid? Huh? See, <laughs> Moses, oh Moses. <laughs> Moses told Aaron, Aaron, you will enter that place once. What did Aaron say? Yes. So he went out there. And if he enters more than once, he might die. Why is he dying? Unbelief. The Bible calls it evil. You see, man actually underestimates unbelief. Hey, what is that thing killing them? Unbelief is evil. The Bible calls it the evil out of unbelief by which their carcasses fell in the wilderness. Amen. You see, even me, I'm adjusting my shirt for you. <laughs> now, are you following? So, but notice, Moses would never tell himself that I'm entering there once. <laughs> because, because the man knows that this was just nursery school stuff. It's like somebody saying, don't take my ABC from me. One times one, one. Two times two, four. Don't take it from me. Like, no, leave that. There is your more. There's, a, there's your anatomy textbook to read. The anatomy. Oh! Hey, hey, hey. Give me A for Apple. And a, a student that holds on to A for Apple, therefore will never graduate. The very thing that is help, meant to help the person love and education now becomes a hindrance by the way the person took it, not by the intention of the teacher. Did you understand? Okay. So when it says by the law. Now, so the law is not Moses trapping people. It's people misunderstanding Moses. Okay, so, so uh, that is then called the law of sin and death, man's unbelief. It should normally be the law of faith, God's performance. So God is like, I will do, I will put. Can you, can you see the place we read in Hebrews 8? I will put, I will write. Man is saying, no, 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 I, we will do the putting. We will do the writing. Okay, write. Then they can't write. <laughs> because we were never meant to have done that. <laughs> Amen. Hi there anyway. Uh, this is a long introduction. Verse 2, look at verse 2. For there was a, Hebrews 9, there was a what? Tabernacle. See the way the writer of Hebrews is talking about what Israel held to be the most sacred thing. He said there was a tabernacle. <laughs> right? There was a tabernacle. What does he say again? Made. The first, wherein was the candlestick. Then we can go on and on. Right? Okay? Now, then it says uh, in verse uh, 7. For into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he had offered for himself. And for the errors of the... Okay, now look at it. See the damage of the writer of Hebrews. The Holy Ghost was what? Signif it was teaching a lesson. The Holy Ghost was signifying that what? The way into the holiest of all was not yet manifest. Not yet manifest. My dear friend, what is the holiest? The heart of man. How will, how will God gain entrance to the heart of man? By the more evident priesthood. In the resurrection of Jesus, it will enter the heart of man. So all those ones we are trying to do, were just the summary was, 
the way is not yet. Not yet where? Into man. <laughs> for <laughs> the guy's laughing. Yeah, because the Bible says, for they without us could not be made perfect. God haven't provided something better, a performance. That's Hebrews 11, 40, 39, 40. So, are you following? Okay. Now, so the problem, therefore, is not with Genesis to Malachi. It's with the unbelief of men reading it. It was written for a reason. But men in unbelief read it as the reality. But it is a shadow. And sincerely, shadows are often so different from the reality they're explaining. Amen? So, we're in verse 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet manifest, while as the first, that means for as long as you are expecting that the physical, touchable, handleable, tabernacle is a reality, there's no way to your heart. How does God get into the heart of a man? The man must look away from that physical tabernacle and consider that Moses is speaking about Jesus. Amen? Amen. You still love me, don't you? Well, me, I still like, I still like you. <laughs> Look at verse 9. Which were a figure for the time then present, for that time, in which were offered gifts, sacrifice. What again? That could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the... So where was there no way to the conscience? So what is that holy place? It's the conscience of a man. A, a man's consciousness. Amen. Are you there? Okay. Look at verse 11. I, I just skipped the verse now. But Christ. Somebody say Christ. Christ, Christ being come and I priest of good things to come by a greater and a more perfect tabernacle. What is the greater and more perfect tabernacle? Man. So by the greater and more perfect tabernacle, read on, read on, read on. Not made with hands. That is to say, not of this. That means not what Moses did. Yeah. Look, what's the next verse? 12. Neither by the blood of. Yeah. Good. Yeah. But by his own. He entered in. Into the. What is the holy place you just read about? The conscience of man. So by his own blood, which is by his own resurrection, which is his spirit. He entered in once. We say it this way. The spirit of God is now in man. So where did he enter? Into you. Amen. So, he entered in once. How many times? Once. He doesn't really enter. So, it says, Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater, more perfect tabernacle. I told you when you see the word greater, better, it simply means what is done. What is performed. What is executed. So, in other words, you could say Jesus by what he did. You know when we, when we say he did it all. Or the finished work. This is the finish. Yeah? Okay? So it says here, uh, where am I? The sword. By his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having what? Obtained eternal redemption. Yeah? So he obtained eternal redemption, which is his resurrection. So what he had was his resurrection, which he put inside a man. That is eternal redemption. <clears throat> a life from which death has no more power. Are you there? It says, uh, it then it says in verse 13, if the blood of bulls and goats 
and the ashes of a heap are sprinkling the, the what? Yeah, sanctify it to the of the flesh. The flesh there refers to, okay, uh, verse 14. Let me start trouble. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the, through the what? Through the what? Or we can say through his blood. Sam, Sama. Yeah? Okay? Because he was talking about blood before. It's not talking spirit. So, are you there? How much more? Can you see the language? Whenever you're talking about what Jesus has done, it will be much more, better, greater, truer. Okay, good. Now, so in verse, what verse are we in? 14. <laughs> that guy is there before me. 14 says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the, offered himself without spot to God, purge your, purge your, where is his ministry? In your conscience. What needs to be purged? So when you see the high priest sprinkling blood into everywhere, where is he really sprinkling? The conscience of man. The conscience of man. How will he enter there? By the resurrection. Say, thou art my son. Today, ha, I've begotten you. Then Romans would then say that I may now be the first among many. True tabernacles. Perfect tabernacles. Pure. Holy of holies. So you have holy God. Holy spirit. Holy scriptures. Holy people. Holy nation. Ho yeah. <laughs> Just holy all the everywhere. Sanctified. That's what it's called. Amen. Sanctified. Glory to God. Okay. Now you know. These things, does it not seep into you? It seeps into you, man. Does you one time. I mean, I don't smoke cigarettes because of this stuff. It's better than 10 billion cigarettes. It's better. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, other God. He says, I rejoice at your word. I rejoice at your word. Oh, glory to God. Yeah. Mm. That's why we wake up in the morning. Just like, mm. That man has woken with his, you know, you, you take Ephesians. <laughs> ah, it gets to you. Your original girlfriend. <laughs> uh, oh, what a God. Glory. Glory to God. 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 Oh, glory. Hey, man. Mm. I, I, I just put the true tabernacle on the run. <laughs> the true tabernacle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey, man. The true tabernacle. Okay. Hebrews 9, verse 14, right? How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit. So you see, he called it eternal redemption in verse 12. He now calls it eternal spirit. So the eternal redemption is the spirit of God, which God, as the high priest, put into a man. So everything that God wanted to do, that led to theater, drama, court, dramatize again. Moses, do you know what you are saying? So what do you think Moses saw? Moses saw the new creation. Moses saw the true tabernacle. He saw the high priest inside the man. <laughs> Amen. And so God told him, so it now became a quandary. How are you going to explain this? So he told him, see, <laughs> that you, the reason you are building, as we are going to plan, because the people you are building it for, they are stiff naked. Before long now, they will turn to that thing you built. And the reason why you build, see, Moses will talk about the revelation. They are after this thing you built. 
They will even kill men for it. Amen. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offer himself up without what? Support to God. Purge your conscience from what? Dead works. What are the dead works? Look at the building, heave offering, wave offering, peace offering, meal offering, this offering. I need that to be accepted. I am trying to get there. I might be there. Who knows what it's going to do or not do? Dead works. Someone say dead works. Say traditions of men. Look, we're seeing um, in um, Mark uh, on Friday. Uh, lay down the burden of unbelief. Yeah, you've got to lay down the burden of unbelief. It's a burden. Unbelief is a weight. It makes a man look stupid. Jesus look at this. See, people listened to Jesus for three and a half years. And he turned around and told them, oh fools. Awful. That means without intelligence, no gumption. That means the gray matter was all yellow. It had jaundiced. You you must not be that kind of believer. I mean, when people are talking in church, everything is just like, <laughs> like eh? ah! Jesus. No. Yeah. <laughs> what do you keep doing? You rejoice over the word of God. No way. You rejoice about it. You know, you, many years ago before I became a Christian, I, I used to be afraid of my own shadow. I'd be walking through the night. I used to have demonic dreams. I would dream about things a young boy ought not to dream about. Then I received eternal life. I know what happened. For, that was in 1990, January. I received eternal life. And for the next 18 months, every night, from 11.30 at night till 4 in the morning, I'll read this book I'm reading to you now, Hebrews. I didn't understand Jack. I mean Jack. I mean nada. I mean zilch. I mean zero. I mean nothing. So, and I'm quite a very funny guy. How can I go to bed without understanding what I'm reading? I just simply took the Bible like one of those textbooks I used to read in, I used to read in school. I'm like, ah, how is it possible? You conquer this thing. That was my mind. When I read Hebrews 1 to 13, I was like, ah, it flooded me. I read it again. So that's how it became all night. It wasn't that I was doing a devotion. It wasn't a plan. I just started to read. And the first night, I was like, actually, I started from Ephesians. So Ephesians 1 to 6. And then I read it again. 1 to 6. 1 to 18 months. One to six, one to six. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus. It doesn't sound like what they were telling me in church. Anyway, so I read and read and read and read and read until I didn't know when the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him began to work. Began to work. Began to work. I said, I had to stay with it every night. And I show you, I'm not a dull guy. Sincerely. So somebody said, ah, are you not proud? No, I'm not. That's not pride. I'm not a dog guy. I know that. Now, and I was reading a book, the Bible. You know the book is spiritual. <laughs> I was reading the book. <laughs> I will pick up my, my engineering texts. I'm reading with this. And I pick up the Bible. I'm like, ah, 
Then I right, I did Hebrew too. And after a while, something began to change in the mind. Mm. The priest, the priest in the conscience was working. Amen. The priest in the conscience is working. Now, so it says in Hebrews and chapter 9. It wasn't yesterday. Hebrews 9. <laughs> Amen. Hebrews 9. I just told you the story to calm down because we've covered some territory. Now, 15. It says, for, for this cause is the mediator of a new testament. My dear friends, what we read in Hebrews and chapter 8. What is the new testament? I will write my law in their minds. So, the New Testament will be what he's doing in the conscience of man, in the mind of man. Are you there? So, it says, uh, uh, where is it again? 15. So, it says, uh, new, that by means of, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament, right? They which are called, that is the gospel, might receive the promise of, did you see? Eternal inheritance, eternal spirit, eternal redemption. Did you see? In verse 12, Eternal redemption. Did you see that? And then in verse 14, eternal spirit. Right? And now we are seeing eternal. So everything related to the high priesthood of Jesus is eternal. Forever. For, as in when he says it is done, it is done. And there is no nada. Nothing that can undo the done. It is just will the man allow himself to be affected by the truth. So wonderful and true. Now, are you there? So, let's go to 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. Funny enough, I'm just about to start, but time has gone. Uh, Pastor will continue <laughs> this thing. That's why you have him here. Amen. Praise God. Now, 1 Corinthians and chapter 3. So, verse 16. Know ye not. Say, know ye not. Know ye not. My dear friends, see, when you read the epistles and you see all this, know ye not. Do you not know? Know ye not. Make sure you know it all. Yeah? So, First Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that you are what? And that the spirit of, which will be the blood of Jesus. Where is it? Inside you. Why? Because that's where the Holy, see, the spirit, which is the blood, is in the Holy of Holies. Where is the Holy of Holies? In you. Do you not know? That's what Paul is telling the Corinthians. Don't you know it? Know ye not that you are what? The temple. Inside the temple, what do we find? A high priest. Who is that high priest? Jesus. How is he in us? By spirit in us. Now, <laughs> interesting. Come to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2. Pastor is always like I should freeze time when I'm teaching. Because I don't know where the time goes. It's not fair. It's not, it's not fair. 1 Peter 2. Are you there? Verse 4. To whom coming as unto a living stone. Disallowed indeed of men. But chosen of God and precious. So to whom? That's Jesus. Look at verse 5. Ye also. Say I also. I also. Out loud. I also. I also. Say one more time. I also. I also. Okay. Now it says ye also as lively stones. 
and built up a spiritual house. That is, the, that, is that same house that he built in Hebrews 3. What did Moses build? A physical house. To show us that God is building a spiritual house. Whose house you are. And the high priest entered in. And he once presented a sacrifice. Obtaining eternal redemption. By the eternal spirit. Which is an eternal inheritance. Hallelujah. You have inherited the spirit of God forever. For, as in forever. Hallelujah. Now what are you going to do with that spirit? Let's look at it again. On 1 Peter 2, verse 5. You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy, what? To offer up what? What do we offer up? Spiritual. Spiritual means, it's an, spiritual means of or pertaining to the spirit. Look at that beautiful text, Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed. That means to be spoken well of. Blessed be the God. The Father of our Lord Jesus. Who has blessed us with all of the Spirit's blessings. What has he blessed us with? Of the Spirit's blessings. How do we describe the blessings of the Spirit? My dear friends, what is the blessing? The Spirit. So everything else is of the Spirit. Because the blessing of God, you know, like Pastor was explaining earlier in Ephesians 1 and verse 13, is the seal, the spirit. That is the stamp that says, done. Amen. Done. Now, the, the one that did it is the only one that's ever done it. A high priest that by resurrection enters in. I know what he does. He sits. Having done, he sits. He's not going to appease again. Okay, now can I ask you a question then? Where did Jesus take his blood? Into your conscience. Why did he take it into your conscience? Because you needed it. Who is using the blood? Jesus. Who needs it? You. Does God need it? No. God doesn't need it. Man needs to see it. And God took it upon himself to do it. Amen. So it's not a case of, ah, God just said, I must kill somebody. Somebody gonna die. Somebody, somebody must die. No. It's the author of life. Amen. And he accommodates man. How merciful. How wonderful. How glorious. How beautiful. How marvelous is his work. We thank you for the sacrifice, the wonderful redemption wrought by your son. We thank you for the eternal sacrifice, for the eternal spirit, the eternal redemption, for a redemption beautiful, awesome, and marvelous, that you will become a man amongst men to show yourself to man how much you care, how you put your value upon the man, that you will make man your tabernacle, your dwelling place, that you enter into man as your plan always has been, man, the holy place of God. Yeah, so it says here in First, don't you do that when you read your Bible? You just get to your point. You just throw everything down. You're like, oh God, oh God. Ah! He gets to you. He doesn't get to you. Huh? 
He says, Philippians says, being found in fashion as a man. Yahweh Adonai. Found in fashion as a man. As a man. He humbled himself. God, the living God, humbling himself. Oh God. Does it not get to you? Sure. He humbled himself. He became obedient to death for me. And I'm saying it's not enough. No, it's the eyes of my understanding that must definitely be enlightened to see, mm -hmm, to know the hope of his call, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, his spirit in me. Hallelujah. Yeah? You see, the spirit of God in me is the riches of God. Ephesians 1, 7 will say that in whom we have redemption, through his blood or through his spirit. Yeah? Because, why did he say through his spirit? Because in verse 3, he's telling us about spiritual blessings. So it then explains that the spiritual blessing is you are accepted in the beloved. That's a spiritual blessing. The spiritual blessing is he has chosen us in himself in love. The spiritual blessing is we are predestinated according to his will from all ages past. The spiritual blessing is we are sealed with the spirit. See, that's a spiritual blessing. Amen. The spiritual blessing is in that blessing, the eyes of my understanding. That means my mind is going to catch up with the spirit. The eyes of my understanding enlightened that I may know the hope of his calling. Yeah. The riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19 says, look at the Ephesians 1, 19. Someone say, ha, ha, you threw a Bible on the floor. <laughs> Whose Bible is it? No, no. I can do my Bible as I like. <laughs> my Bible loves me, I love my Bible. Amen. Praise God. Look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it, look at it. Ephesians 1 and verse 19. And what is the exceeding? You see, the, the Greek word there is a word that means, you know, you're, it's like somebody is told, just try and go from here to where pastor is. And the person then actually goes all the way to the North Pole. You know North Pole? Eh? And he said, so what did he tell you to do? Just to approach pastor. That is exceeding. That the, the, the Greek word is like hyperbole. It's an exaggeration. Redemption is God exaggerating. He, he didn't meet the need. He exceeded. He went beyond. He just said, I'm going to exact myself. Then act back. And in short. The exceeding greatness of his power. Amen. Hyperbole, Megatos, Iscus, Kratos. The exceeding greatness of his power towards what? The, yeah? According to the, that power. Scholars tell us that that verse, in all of Greek writing, I said all of Greek, that means both secular, business, or religious. In all Greek writing, there is no writing that has as much words for power as that verse. <laughs> See, when he says in verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? That's a word for power. Towards what we believe according to the walking, energizing, yeah, of his mighty. That's another word for power. And then it's his power. Iskus Kratos. Iskus talks about like a clean king flaunting what he has. That means God became bare-chested in redemption. Not say, that is me. <laughs> That's me. And he's pointing to you. Us. Say, look at my temple, my holy place. 
Because when people need their God, they, end, they come to the temple. Whose house you are. Say, do you not know that you, you, you are the temple of the living God and that the spirit of God is in you. So the priest is inside his holy place. You are the holy place. And First Peter 2 that I was in, it says you come. What kind of priest are you? A holy priesthood. Again, the word holy means distinct. So you are a priesthood that started distinctly in the liveliness. A living stone to make alive the resurrection. What does that mean? <clears throat> that in the priesthood of Jesus, you are a priest too. In the priesthood of Jesus. You know it's so funny. It doesn't even stop there in that first Peter. Go back to first Peter 2. First Peter 2. Are you there? First Peter 2. First Peter 2. Now, if you are a holy priesthood, then that means you are a minister like Jesus is a minister. Let's put it better. Hold on, guys. This one doesn't get you emotionally. <laughs> you know, I don't want to tell people in church. Uh, I like it when people call me, right? And they say things like, this is what I don't like. And they say, Pastor, Pastor, that guy told me I'm an idiot. I'm a dunce. If not for Christ. And then, the person reads 1 Corinthians 3. Do you not know that you are the temple? And that's the way the person reads it. Somebody called him a dunce. Eh? Do you know who I am? Do you know my age? Do you know my daddy? Me. Forget his Bible thing. Ah, say it again. Okay. And then the word of God says, do you not know that you are the temple? And you read it that way. As you read it. I know. You know, call pastor once in a while. Say, pastor, I know. I know I'm the temple. I don't know about you. You see, when, when I'm in the underground in London once in a while, I take my mobile phone. You know that's what a mobile phone is good for. You take a mobile phone. You are pondering eternal things in your mind. And the thing seeps on you. So, I, because guess what happens? In the city, in London, people that try to make forex trades and all those kind of stuff, when they hit their jackpot, you see them all laughing on the phone, you're happy. So, I try to get my phone out. I, and I'm just so hope. Oh, Praro! Hey, hey, hey. Ah! Glory to God. Ah! Mm. And we enter the underground. Because if I just did it that way, they think I'm crazy. But with the phone to my ear. <laughs> you know, they're like, ah, that guy's excited. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Amen. Right? I am the temple. Get emotional about the word of God. Ah, get emotional. Let this thing get. You should wake out of. I was telling you my story a while ago. So I got into Hebrews and Ephesians. And then 18 months after, I discovered I was no longer afraid. I hadn't even prayed about it. But revelation knowledge entered my conscience, wiped out all the stupid dreams I used to have. Because I had a new dream, a new vision, a reality. Perfect love. Cast out fear, for fear has torment. The 
love of Jesus. An everlasting love of eternal spirit. An eternal inheritance for man eternally. The goodness of God. The largeness of his heart. The sacrifice of Jesus made abundantly available to all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This means everything to us because it means everything to you. It means everything to us. It means everything to us. One more time. One more time. He is a priest. High priest. What are you? You are a priest. You are the house and a priest of that house. What does that make you? A minister. So every born again man is a minister. Let me explain what that does not mean. <clears throat> so when you get born again, by being born again, you are a priest in the high priesthood of Jesus. That means the service of Christ will be known through you administering it to men. If you don't administer it, it will be like the high priest has done nothing. So we preach the gospel. Then that's called the ministry of reconciliation. Second Corinthians 5.18. He has committed to us the ministry. He has given us, sorry, the ministry of reconciliation. In the next verse, he has committed to us the word, the message of reconciliation. So you have a reconciler, the reconcile, the ministry of it, and the message of it. Now, all of that is inside the believer. Now, as the believer gets a knowledge of what has happened, he becomes more effective in ministering it out there. He doesn't become a minister. He is a minister. He now becomes more effective in ministry. Okay? Now, that man then comes among the saints. Then, one day, people are going to say, that guy is on fire. That guy is a good example. That guy is able, when he talks, I get what he's saying. We then separate him amongst us. We then call that person a pastor. So he's a pastor because he's a minister of reconciliation. And he has exercised himself so well, he has stood out among the ministers. So the pastor is the chief minister ministering to the other ministers. Okay? And, and so in order to be, so you can't say, oh, the pastor could say we're all ministers. So you know what? I take over the service next Sunday. I'm the pastor. So I say, glory, glory, glory. No, no, that's not the way it happens. Yeah. The, the ministry of reconciliation is, you're going to meet the Albanian, the Estonian, the Georgian. You're going to take the gospel of God. You know, in those days, eh, I used to, uh, in university, so I, I was an engineering student in university, I studied economics. So I could teach economics and an economist, and I say, do you know there's another economy? <laughs> there's another thing that balances eternally. And then you say, what? Eternally. What's eternal? I start there. See, we use the rain. If Jesus could use well to start, I can use rain. I can use anything. I will use anything. Because this thing does you. You know what happens to a man now when you meet a girl you like? You have bubble diarrhea. <laughs> you're, not, you're not saying, <laughs> you're not saying ah, did you hear the way she was praying? You're saying, we were heard. I, I mean, that sister, I mean, we know, I did not, um, did <laughs> we know. Like, ah, you're not hearing, ah, look, see, see revelation. No. Well, it's because your eyes saw something. Now, the rest of us have not seen. That's the way it works. You know? Now, but that's the way it is. You allow the gospel to just engulf your emotions. Someone say, I don't want to be emotional. Be emotional. Be emotional about the gospel. Be very emotional. Like I got up this morning. Ah, I just got to tell somebody. 
Now, did you see that hunk? His name is Jesus. You know, broad chested, whatever. Tall, dark, and handsome. Start, if, if he's tall, dark, and handsome, that applies it for you. Start there. So, and, so we have a man. Start there. Anywhere you are. Look at the, look, look at the Enoch. He was reading in Acts 8. He says, pray tell. Who is this prophet talking about? Like a sheep led to the slaughter, he opened on his mouth. And the Bible says, Philip, starting from that place, preach Christ. If Moses could use planets, sun, moon, stars, if Jesus could use farmer and seed, if Jesus could use woman by the well to talk about water, then what can't you use to communicate the gospel, to let a man know of a redemption wonderful and true, to tell of things eternal, heroic, the supernatural love of Jesus? What will not make you run across the street knowing that you have a high priest, the perfecto, that you are his perfection, that he has perfected them forever who are sanctified, and you are the sanctified, you have something that hell and death can never overcome. And you want another man to have the same. You want another man to know of a wonderful savior. And so you run. You, you slow down. You walk. You crawl if needs be. You will learn new subjects. Learn. See, we have, we have done all sorts. Paul said, I became all things to all men. <laughs> On account of the gospel. There's a lot your brain can take. What do you your brain cannot take? Your brain much. For the gospel's sake. Just put it in there. It's come out. Whatever. See, whatever it, ta it takes. God through kitchen sink and all. At all in redemption. He just flung himself. Amen. He's, Paul said, if we are beside ourselves, it's the love of God. That means if you think we are mental sometimes, like we are, <laughs> a screw is gone. <laughs> it's not a screw is gone. Is that something that's gritty. Mm, that's the way love is in the heart of a man. Mm. So it actually begins to be what makes you to navigate your path through life. I already know that there is no way under this heaven that I will be found in a place where there's no local church. If I'm found there, I'll start it. If I can't start it, I'm not there. So am I that there to get everybody in the village to come to church? Or am I doing there? How much is it? I mean, I remember some years ago in England, somebody came to me and said, I, I walk, by the way. So says, uh, well, we'll build you a house. We'll give your wife 20,000 pounds every, uh, every couple of months to go do something in uh, Switzerland uh, if you take this job. Only that you need to relocate from where you are to another place. And I thought, on account of the gospel, I left Nigeria. And I flew, dropped every single thing to come to England. And you think a house, ordinary house. You know, myself and my wife didn't pray about it. It cannot be a prayer point. Ah, what should we do? What's your will, oh God? That came too late. Ah, somebody said, ah, did you not hear what they are offering you? Did you hear? I didn't hear. <laughs> I'm constrained. I'm constrained by the gospel. I'm a priest. The priest in the tabernacle will face the job while he's there. And you also, you are a studious, fastidious, sorry for the grammar. You are somebody who is detailed. You know, when... When it hits me like that, um, uh, amen. You are a very diligent person, detailed, thorough. That's you. Um, we, we are not trying to give you something. Yeah, we are telling you what you are so that you wake up to who you are. Amen. Just shake yourself and be like, ah, what have I been doing? The priest is in you, he does his ministry through you. I'm going to lay hands suddenly. So I'm going to lay hands shortly. I'm going to lay hands shortly. 
And I want to read you a text of scripture. Amen. A text of scripture. First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. See, a man has truly lived when he has understood the redemption. When he has helped another man have his eyes come alive in the same truth. A man has truly passed through this earth who has allowed the revelation of Jesus to be the inspiration, the motivation, yeah, and the mighty influence of his life. You know, Paul said something in 1 Corinthians 3. He says, we are laborers together. Somebody say together. We are laborers together. Someone say together. Together. So, who is the chief laborer here? Jesus. Should I tell you something very interesting? Now, some people meet me and they say, they try to label me. Uh, you must be a prophet or a teacher. Or a Actually, I don't care. I'm a Christ indwelled man. Who is the shepherd? His name is Jesus. He happens to be the high priest inside me. So you can see the traits of a shepherd acting through me. Who is the teacher, the rabbi? Jesus. Who are supposed to be the high priest inside me? And so you will see the traits of a teacher through me. Do you understand? Do you understand? So it is not, I am not a pastor. I am a Christ indwelt man. A minister of reconciliation. Then he the lover will love his people through me. And you call me pastor. He the teacher will instruct his people through me. He the prophet will bring the revelation of himself through me. And somebody thought you say prophet is the next we see is somebody there. They're wearing blue socks. <laughs> if you think that where a prophet is, how about this will do better? Yeah, that's not a prophet. The spirit of prophecy is a testimony of Jesus. That's a prophet. Yeah, Jesus is the apostle, the high priest of our confession. So the apostle is a name. So he will use my leg to go to places. He will use my leg to strengthen man. My mind to communicate his word. My words to do whatever is needed. I'm simply available. Yeah, it says in first, Second Corinthians 8, and this they did. Not, look at it, I want you to see it. Second Corinthians 8. Second Corinthians 8. I, I, I'm supposed to read First Timothy 4 and then we lay hands. Uh, but First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 8. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8, look at verse 5. Or look at verse 1. Moreover, bre, we give you to, to wit of the grace of God, bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. When he said bestowed, it means exhibited through them. That's what it means there. Bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. It says in verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, okay, the abundance of their, and the deep, and their deep, abounded unto the riches of their, so the grace of God might not be riches, but it will be liberality no matter what. Do you understand? See, Jesus did not die to give you money. Right? Because a man, by interacting with this earth, or by being born into wealth, or by knowing how to manipulate it, there are many ways to get money. Right? The riches that he gave us will be the riches of his grace. Redemption, the forgiveness of sins, the indwelling of the spirit. The merciful, the kindness, 
So the Bible calls it the riches of his goodness, the riches of his grace, the riches of his mercy. Amen. The riches of glory. Hallelujah. And someone says, I don't like that. It's okay. You like it. You like it. You just don't know you like it. You like it. You like it. So it says, uh, their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their. So liberality is called riches. Is that clear? Okay. So the revelation of God's grace is that you are a rich person. Uh, what is your riches? Liberality. Yeah. Which means that tendency to just give. Now, it says in verse uh, 3, for to their power, I bear them record. Yes, beyond their power, they were. So liberality starts in what? A willingness. Okay? Now, so uh, a liberal person does not need to be sight and told, ah, everything is going to collapse. The world will fall. Everything will dismantle. If you don't do something. What kind of people are we in uh, North Dominion? We're liberal. What is liberality? Look at verse 4 quickly. Praying us. That word prayer means to beg. So the people that have the revelation of the grace of God, what do they do? They beg. They beg. What are they begging to do? They were praying us with much entreaty that we will receive the gift. Someone says, no, no, no. When you give, you are sowing unto fatter ground. You're on drugs. That, that's not the revelation of, of, of grace. The grace of God, what you give is a gift. No strings attached. It's a gift. I mean, it is so real to you that you will be begging. Say, Pastor, no, we're not stopping this service. Mm -mm. Uh, say, let's say together. Um, um, uh, the, the grace. Oh, no, 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 Pastor, no. Don't, don't get me angry. I've not, I've not given everything I want to give. That's grace. Someone say, mm, if you want to connect to the next level, a level beyond resurrection. Beyond high priesthood. Wait, all the provoking, you couldn't enter into the conscience. He has now entered into your conscience. Stay there. So it says, praying us with much entreaty that we will receive the gift. And take upon us what? A fellowship. That means ministry. The fellowship of what again? Ministry. So our giving is what? Ministry. That's part of our spiritual sacrifices. It's a ministry. Amen. Okay. That's where I'm going anyway. That's, a, that's just by the side. But it's an important one. <laughs> Look at verse 5. And this they did. What did they do? Ministry. Don't forget. This they did, not as we, but first. Somebody say first. Underline it. Color it. Kiss it. Hug it. Rub it. Whatever. It says, and for, but first, what did they do? What did they give? What did they give? What is the gift that Jesus is after? The whole of you. The whole of you. First, they gave themselves. You know, you find people, people that are very funny. And you can't blame people because we are just where we are. Somebody says, I gave my life to Christ. You are funny. Paul said you are dead in sins. You, you say you gave your life. Where did you find it? He said you are dead in sins. You are dead. You had no life to give. It is now he that has the son, that has the life. So when a man is getting born again, he's not giving his life. He's receiving life. And he say out loud, he that has the son, has the life. I have the son. I have the life. Good. Now, when you now have life, you have something to give. So he said, this they did. This they did. What did they do? They first, they gave themselves. 
So who is it that gives himself or herself to the Lord? A Christian. The one that has something to give. The life of Christ. What are you really giving? Your high priest is inside. He's in his holy place. He's doing his ministry. You see, because see, there are two sides you must understand to redemption. You must understand this. It is correct to say it is done. It's correct to say it is being done. Many people don't get that it is being done part. And so we, we, we say done. That done is you and him. Doing through you to others. For it is God that walketh in you. It is what? God that walketh in you. Both to will and to do. Is he still doing? Has it been done? They're both correct. It's just what has been done between you and him. You are accepted. But there are still others that don't know they are accepted. That one is not done yet. You've got to go tell them so they receive it. So it's working through you. Then when you come among the saints, wait, who do you support? To the extent that I'm telling the truth today, you've listened to Jesus. He's doing something. Unveiling himself. In the midst of the saints. Revealing himself. And in himself, we are seeing ourselves. He's working now. That's why Paul could say, we are laborers together with God. Is he still working? Yeah. So we can sing about, you see, we ought to sing about he has done, he's doing. Amen. So, uh, what is it doing? It's giving me new shoe. It's giving me new belt. Wake up now. Move on. Move on. Abramovich without Jesus has the belt and the shoe. <laughs> but there's something Abramovich not get. He doesn't have the indwelling of the spirit. The riches of God. The riches of grace. The riches of liberality that he will give and he will not be using it to upset tax. Amen. So, see, what do we give? How can you know that a person understands redemption? He just tells the leadership, I give myself. Someone says, no, no, I'm a music expert. You are not a music expert. You are a man that is available, whatever is needed, whenever is needed, however is needed. Imagine Jesus saying, ah, I'm only an expert at prayer. No, you will pray. And they say, we need somebody on the cross. I'm an expert. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. We need somebody that they, when, when they are insulting him, you still stay there. You say, oh, that's me now. And I say, well, we need somebody to rise up on the third day. I will. We need somebody to suffer the contradiction of sinners. I'm there. Amen. You are, not, you are either going to hate me now or love me. I'm about to read you something. <laughs> we are reading each other something. <laughs> something. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, we crack at you. You know, somebody said we come to church and then we, we try to, you know, there's a ridiculousness going around these days. You have people that are jesters coming to church. A comedian. It's a comedy. It's comedic. And I say, everybody's not laughing. <laughs> no, you don't do that. Is it good for Christians to laugh? It's good for any human being to laugh. We close the service. We turn it to a club. And we laugh to our heart's content. However, when we are meeting together, our rejoicing is in the word of God. Amen? Because there are things you do in church that is different from home. Paul will say, ah, ah, don't you have houses to eat? And that means there are some things you do at home. So in first Corinthians, they say, if you are hungry, eat at home. That's what, that's what. Yeah. So when I'm talking to uh, my, when I'm talking to my child, I, I told my, tell my child, ah, 
me, I've scored 110% before in physics. You know, when the teacher overmarks you. Yeah, because in order to make everybody fail, to make me fail, they exceeded, they made the marks, uh, the questions harder. And I said, got everything. So they had given me 110. So I didn't tell my child at home that, my friend, you're getting 100 is beginning of. <laughs> that is home. When we come to church, then I say, hey, if you want to be the best lawyer, I want to be the best architect. We are taking over the city. That's not the, the architect. Taking over the city. I'm running your joker. How do you take over the city? Give yourself. As a priest. Offering up spiritual sacrifices. Someone says, ah, I, I understand now. I, I have a, a marketplace ministry. We don't have any such thing. What you have is the ministry of reconciliation. Anywhere you are, it is there. Anyway, uh, uh, me, I'm an apostle to the market. You're a joker. You are yet joking. See, when I say that, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this in love. You're joking. You are not. Uh, the carpenter Jesus could not successfully be amongst them. You would not want to use carpentry to win the world. <laughs> uh, where will you get that wisdom from? Jesus was not a billionaire. He couldn't use it to win the world. But so, suddenly you can. Wait, somebody says, ah, and... That means you're against Christians being, no, I like dressing, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah? But sincerely, I can put this thing off, roll my shirt, pull off my trouser, if it will help you receive the truth. Anything. <laughs> As in, anything. <laughs> Hallelujah. If I want to dress very nice without anything, I go home. Do you know I have houses to do GQ? Yeah? So, we, we come on a Sunday morning. And as we are praying, yeah, you are praying, and then it gets to you, supplication. You are laboring, and you are there. They're like, hey, my mascara. <laughs> it wasn't even wrong. Let it run. Then as a good pastor, we now say, okay, let's stop service. Okay, girls, go and do your face well. Then come back. And now, mm, uh-uh. and we say it's quick. Oh, you have three minutes. I'm going to come back. <laughs> See, you... I, I have girls in church, right? I said girls. None of these people are 40 something year olds, but they're girls. So I have girls in church that they have, they have their stilettos. Then when we want to pray, they remove it. Then they run for like eight hours in prayer. Then when they finish, they put on their YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, I say we are beside ourselves. <laughs> it gets to you. Yes, it, the thing enters you, it enters your body, it enters there. Amen. So, uh, let's get it right. So, we don't come around to come and celebrate marriage. Or no, the Bible says we don't shame them that have not. So, in our midst, our union is the spirit. So, our emphasis is the spirit. Uh, that's, that's what we are about. Yeah, we, someone say, are you not fanatical? I know. But before you say it, I'm saying it myself. I'm fanatical. I don't have much time. Someone say, yeah, are you going to die soon? I don't know. But I don't plan to. Yes, but what if I died? Don't get that. What what if death is passing? I am the oppression of death. (laughs) What What if it's passing? I don't care. I already rose from the dead. That's why Paul... That's why Jesus could run towards. They, they said, Who are you looking for? They said, Jesus. 
I said, I'm here. They fell. They let them get up. You can get up. You must arrest me. Arrest me. This is me. Pilate was looking for an excuse to release him. He won't, he won't give an excuse. This thing we have is bigger than life. What could man do? What could a government, legislation, insult? Just insult. What did they tell you? Your head is long like a lizard. Yeah, and you, person, you know I didn't know. And starting from that lizard, they talk about Christ. Starting from that lizard. Talk about Christ. You say, ah, lizard. <laughs> you know, in fact, there's a creator of lizard. <laughs> but to tell you, there's a creation now better than the. And the person will think, did you not hear me? So, yeah, I hear you, but we're talking. Yeah, starting from that place. You know, that, you know anybody could just take a stick and swat that lizard and he'll die. But there is somebody that protects his own kind of lizard. That nothing is able to quench him. You know, I say, hey, ha, are you talking about lizard? Ah, li stay there. <laughs> yeah. Stay there. We moved on. You know, so, we, we move. so, but if I'm saying the gospel gets that much to you, but if they're still so self conscious, of course, because you think you're not fine. So, when somebody talks about you're not being fine, it gets to you. That's the real reason. If, if you told me now that I'm too thin, I would think you're too fat. I was that, I was that, uh, 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 why, why do you say I'm thin? Why, why, why? It got to me. What should get to me is, no, but the, the trees of God are full of sap. Uh, that although you did not see, there's an invisible size to me. So there are things invisible and things visible. Then you'll be like, ah, what? what ah, I said, you are foolish. I know that is the foolishness of the world by which men did not know Christ. Start there. Start, start there. Start there. Start there. Start there. Start there. Start where you are. Man will always give you a door. Take it. Men will tell you, I am ripe for the gospel. They don't say it that way. What they will normally say is something that will make your, the flesh go, ah, hey, this life self. You know we are not mates. You know I'm a Christian. Which one you are, you are talking to me this way. You say, that, is, this, that hasn't gotten to you. But when it gets to you emotionally, that first they gave themselves to the Lord. See, this thing calls upon your life, my life. Your attention, my attention. First Timothy 4, right? I'm going to lay hands on uh, people this morning. Yeah? And Pastor will not understand how we want to arrange people. Uh, the secret is not in the length of time. The secret is in the fact that something tangible, supernatural, miraculous, is going to be administered. There was a woman that approached Jesus and said, If I may but touch the hem of his garment... I shall be made whole. Jesus did not even need to agree. Jesus did not know that she said so. And without Jesus agreeing or even knowing, from that moment, the fountain of her blood was made dry. So that Jesus even had to say, who touched me? He didn't know. So, you're getting well or not getting well is not by the knowledge of God. It's not that God says today, today, she will get well or he will get well. You know, fibroids, aches, pains, fevers, colds imbalance in, uh, in the body, fluids of whatever sort, the death of those things is here this morning, right? There is a faculty that we have in God, a resident power, right? The Bible talks about the power that walketh in us. It talks about the spirit of God upon us. We do miracles in his name. You know, when hands are laid on you, what we are communicating, the spirit of God, is used to sort many things. Like that. I don't even need to be calling it out. <laughs> Your heart receives but I can tell you what is going to happen today. That I'm going to lay hands on people. And supernatural deposits 
an awakening to be radically committed, devoted to eternal things. A consciousness of ministry that you give yourself more selflessly to God because God needs men. If you could have done it without men, you would have been saved without him becoming a man. But it's not possible without men. That you, that you are here today, whatever consciousness you have of yourself, your consciousness becomes caught up in the revelation of Jesus. In the revelation of Jesus. That there is a temple that I did not build, but he built. That there is a high priesthood that I am not, but he is. That there is an endless life that he initiated. That is the author and the finisher of this stuff. And he is in his tabernacle sat. And he didn't stop there. He made me a minister of what he is. So that through me, through my hands, through my lips, through my mouth, through my eyes, through my thoughts, through my, through my engagements, he's able to reach across bridges, reach across streets, reach across villages, reach in cars, reach in motorcycles, reach in the office, reach in the marketplaces, reach at home, reach on my storefront, reach wherever men contact men. And that God, the high priest, inside his own tabernacle, today, as mighty as ever, is able to reach forth through you to another human being. You see, don't think about can I. Remember, he is the priest and what he has done is forever. It abides forever. It abides forever. Look at 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. And I'm going to read verse 14 or 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse 14 now. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. Verse 14. Neglect not. Let's say together. Neglect not. Stop, stop, stop. What does neglect mean? Somebody tell me another word for neglect or describe it. What does neglect mean? Huh? To forget, ignore, abandon. Okay, good. Remember those words. So, neglect not what? Stop, stop. So, can the gift be inside a person and the person is abandoning it? Ignoring it. What is the answer? You tell the person, don't neglect what you've neglected. If it is there, it is there. How many years after, okay, I've not finished reading it. So neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was, which was, which was, which was. So can things be given to a believer? Yeah. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, that was, how was it given? By prophecy, so things were spoken, utterances were said. By prophecy, go on. With the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, that means of the elders. So, just like this morning, hands will be laid. And in hands being laid, understand that there will be deposits. This deposit is so tangibly powerful that years after, we can tell you, you remember, what's today's date? 27th of February, 2022, at about 2 uh, 20 p.m. in the afternoon in Georgia, in the Belize, where hands were laid on you. And at that moment, there were activations and deposits. If be so sure, you can say it was at 20, 2.20 exactly. It was that Sunday. It's not a feeling. If it was a feeling, you can't neglect a feeling. Yeah? So apparently, there was something in Timothy but Timothy was not doing anything with it. He had neglected it. See, spiritual deposits are that way. If you don't pay heed to them, it will look like it's not there. But it is there. He said it was given, a, an actual giving. It was given by prophecy, words. 
and the laying on of hands of the perspiring. So as hands are laid on you today, there will be tangible deposits. You know where you are sat there? Yeah, there was a time that Elisha came to Elijah and he said, uh, Elijah told him, uh, whatever you want, you can ask for. And Elijah said, I want a double portion of your spirit. Double portion just simply means inheritance. That means I want to be like the firstborn. I want to be the, yeah. So that means the ministry you are working in, I desire it. You know, uh, how long had Elisha been around Elijah? You know, sometimes you are around the person for 20, 25, 15 years to be able to answer that question the day is asked. And what do you really want? I'm a man that has come from England. I've left all that is dear. And I'm standing here in front of you. You could desire to be healed in your body. And he hangs there. But in my heart, I hope that's not wrong. No, I hope that's not wrong. I hope you want something better, better, bigger. You living in the largeness of God. Your life and offering to another human being. That Jesus is able to use this man, this woman, this boy, this girl, to change the world. I don't know where you're going to end up. I don't know where you'll be a year from today. Or two. Or three. Our paths may never cross again. But there are things holy and divine. Things beautiful that you can desire. Right. That this communication of God through you. I don't know about you. I love it when I meet people and their eyes flicker open when revelation knowledge hits them. I like it that the man in darkness can come into the light. I like it that the man that did not know the power of Christ in him becomes aware of that. I like it that the man that was hiding in a corner understands that this city upon a hill shall be hidden no more. That the man awakens to the ministry of Christ within him. That you will take your place. That wherever you go on the face of this earth, right, that the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God will be wrought. But there is no one that is born again that doesn't have ministry in him. We're going to be laying hands this morning. I'm telling you my expectation. Now, I didn't say you shouldn't expect your body to be healed. No, expect it. Expect fibro. And, you know, let me tell you something very funny. Some years ago, right, my, uh, my wife turns 50 this year, right? Some, some, uh, I'm 48. <laughs> so some years ago, <laughs> she's older than you. I love her. I just love her. Well, pastor told you I talk about her tea a lot. Yeah. Mm. You, don't talk about your own wife. That's your own cup of tea. I don't know. <laughs> so, but some years ago, so Ola T uh, went to do well, a medical checkup. In England, when you turn 40, there are some things you do. And so they, they looked at her body and they saw some things on the screen. And what they saw on the screen meant she could never have babies. And so she entered into an argument with the doctors. Because she was trying to explain to them, I already have. And they're like, what we are seeing mm -mm, cannot happen. She said, I know, I already have. And they're like, mm -mm. <laughs> this is, this, we're talking of whatever, yeah? We're talking of whatever. Let me tell you what that means. That means whatever was in the body of Olati was there throughout her marriage. We still had our babies. What about that one? You know? See, many times people think, ah, the issue must live. Is it the issue you want to live or you just want to have a functional life? <laughs> eh, 
Yeah, no, the fibroid must go. With the fibroid, you have your child. And you live long, old. And you do ministry and life. You make somebody happy. If I was told today I have a hole in my heart, I would still live. <laughs> this guy is crazy. No, some of you like, ah, the hole must. That was when you discovered it. But I'm sustained by something else. Yes, to make it easy for you, I might tell that heart to be blocked or the hole to block. But whether it's blocked or open, there is a power that made the shoes on the feet of Israel grow on their feet as they went older. I mean, a little baby left Egypt with a little baby's shoes. And for 40 years, their clothes did not grow old. On their body. Started as a size 1. Now became a size 14. I shouldn't look at you. Now became a size 9. The thing grew with them. And that is small compared to eternal life. I'm saying anyhow you need it this morning or afternoon, the power of God is here. Amen. The power of the Lord is present in this place. For the same mighty power. Yeah? Receive. Now, it's here. The power of God is in this place. When I say this place, it's not this, this, uh, like this, this place. Hallelujah. Hands are going to be laid on you. There will be tangible deposits. My dear friends, I'm not going to spend time on anybody. It is not the length of the touch. It is that we lay hands. And the power of God will get to work. Hallelujah. Pastor, I believe that God is going to give his assembly. Let me lay hands. Let me lay hands and then I will, I will give utterance. Praise God. How do you want to pray? Are you starting? Or somebody else is starting? Amen. Have, have a seat down there. Have a seat down there. Praise God. Who are those going first? Now, don't, don't forget. Don't be concerned about whether you fall or don't fall. Don't be concerned. If you fall, you fall. If you don't fall, you don't fall. doesn't matter. But hands are going to be laid on you. And the power of God will go into your body. Amen. Help me out. Clear that first row there. Uh, leave, uh, leave mama there where she sat. Yeah. Good. So that chair can go to them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Your expectation is set, right? Set your expectations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Pastor, I'm going to start with your choir. Yes. 
want to start with a choir. You can just come to the edge here. Amen.